0: My definition of listening is making meaning from sound.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks Podcast. My name is Roger Nair and I'm going solo today as our founder, Connor Beaton, is spending some much-needed family time up at the lake. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. We talk about purpose, legacy, influence, love, sex, success, and so much more. So don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and join the thousands of other change makers in our community on Facebook or go to Mantalks.com. Have you ever had the experience that people don't listen to you? Would you like to be one of those people for whom others instinctively fall quiet and really listen, whose words carry real weight and impact? Then Julian Treasure is the man for you. Julian Treasure is a sought-after and top-rated international speaker. Collectively, his five TED Talks on various aspects of sound and communication have been viewed and estimated 40 million times. His latest talk, How to Speak so that People Want to Listen, is in the rare group that has over 10 million views on TED.com alone, putting it in the top 20 TED Talks of all time. Julian's book, Sound Business, is a seminal work on creating intentional, effective business sound, now in its second edition and also published in Japanese. He's been widely featured as a sound and communication expert in the world's media, including Time Magazine, The Economist, The Times, TV, and radio in the UK, US, Canada, Australia, and the Netherlands, as well as many international trade and business magazines and websites. It's an amazing conversation. We dissect everything you need to know about listening listening. Looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Julian Treasure. Julian, thank you so much for joining us on the Man Talks podcast. We truly, truly appreciate it. That's my pleasure, Roger. Excellent. So before we get started, we always like to ask our guests if they can share with us a story about a defining moment for them as a man.
0: Well, I think for me, that would have to be the moment when I started my own business for the first time. That was back in 1988, and I was marketing director for a successful computer magazine publishing company in the UK, traveling quite a lot. And I kind of just got very dissatisfied. I think a relationship broke up and I went out with a friend of mine and a very old friend of mine who ran his own agency. We had a few tequilas, I remember. And by the end of the evening, it seemed like a good idea to change my job, sell my house move to a completely different place, you know, really change everything. And it turned out not to be just a kind of drunken pipe dream, but that is actually what I did. I changed everything and everything changed very much for the better. So it's kind of sometimes it's difficult to take a big leap into the dark. You have to have the courage to face the unknown and have faith that all will be well. I guess I did. And I'm very glad I did.
1: Excellent. So, so that brings us to to today, and and just to you know, build a little bit of context for the listeners. Can you explain to everyone sort of what it is that you currently do now, and, and more importantly, we like to know why it is that you do what you're what you're currently doing.
0: I run a company called the Sound Agency, which I started in two thousand three. Actually, after that first business, that was a magazine publishing business, which I sold in two thousand one. The Sound Agency has a very simple proposition: good sound is good business. Many people, especially brands actually, big brands, they spend loads of money on how they look and they never think about how they sound. And yet we experience the world in five senses, not just one. So the sound agency is all about asking the question, how does your brand sound? And particularly we work in retail spaces where retailers are very prone to make a terrible noise. You know, it would be pretty stupid if they made an awful smell in their shops But they do the same thing for the ears all the time. We're we're endlessly walking out of shops because they sound bad. We may not know it, but uh, we very often do, and it hurts them and it hurts us. So that's what the sound agency does. And over the years, I've been lucky enough to um, become, I suppose, an expert on sound in the round. And I've uh, stood on the TED stage five times now and talked about sound in various ways and I think my TED Talks have been seen now by something like 40 million people. So uh, that I guess I describe myself these days as a sound evangelist and I get to, I get to go around the world talking about the power of speaking and the power of listening and uh, sound, the human voice and, and sound for brands. So it's a fascinating existence actually. I'm very very grateful for what's happened to me.
1: That is very cool. And, and you know, I I was introduced to, you know, the whole idea of, of the importance of sound uh, for a brand. Uh, I read a book many years ago by Martin Lindstrom, uh, I believe it was called um, Brand Sense. Brand and, Sense, it and, was indeed. Yeah. And and I, I work in the advertising and design industry. I, I work for DDB, which I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, very large, very, so, yeah. very large agency. And, and it's one of those it's one of those senses that a brand completely forgets uh, and and has a tendency to neglect. And I remember reading in the book that you know the, the conversation around the importance of, you know, the, the the sound a car door makes in a BMW and how that just you know evokes you know prestige and 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 uh, there's so much detail and energy that goes into it. So I find it absolutely fascinating that this is you know this is your life and this is what you this is what you focus on. And you know for those that haven't watched those TED talks, I definitely encourage you to because they're absolutely fascinating. And what does it feel like to to have 40 million plus people uh, uh, tune in and and watch you?
0: It's quite spooky, actually, to be honest, when I really think about it. I mean, the number of football stadiums that it is, that's a country. You know, the UK has got 60 million people. We're getting on for the whole UK. Um, It is weird. And when I think, I think there's like 10,000 people a day spending five or six minutes uh, with me, (laughs) all unbeknownst to me. It is, it's a strange and wonderful feeling and it's it's kind of nice because you know as a sound evangelist my whole mission is to get everybody in the world to be listening you know if we all start listening then we start to understand each other better and we can take care of the sound we make and the sound we consume a lot of which is very bad for us so it's it's not just about the brands listening and being creative about the sound they make it's about us as individuals too and it's a wonderful thing to think that forty thousand people, forty million people, sorry, are are now listening. Perhaps just a little more than they were before.
1: Hmm. So let's, I mean, let's bring it down to that personal level, and especially in the context of of men. You know, when it comes to listening, we we get a bit of a bad rap, and and we're not known as the best listeners. But as Man Talks, we're trying to encourage men to really hone in and 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 be more conscious of, of the way that they're listening so that, you know, their partners or, or their their business associates or wh- whoever they're dealing with feel like they're, they're being heard and they are in fact being heard. Are there some tips that we can kind of uh, touch on off the top to enhance your listening skills?
0: Very much so. There's quite a few actually. And uh, maybe we could call this episode of the podcast Man Listens instead of Man Talks uh, just <laughs> to make a change. Um, Yes, I think listening is, it's a subtle thing. It's a skill, you know, and people tend to consider listening as something that happens naturally, like hearing, you know, you hear everything. My definition of listening is making meaning from sound. So it's an intellectual process. It's a a mental process. It's something you do and you can become better at it or you can be lousy at it. Uh, It's not something that's just natural and happens. So like any skill, we need to practice. I guess the first and most important thing about listening is to realize that your listening, Roger, just like mine, just like everybody's listening to this podcast, is unique. Like your fingerprints, like your voice print, like your irises, nobody listens the way you do. And that's because you've come a different road to this conversation to me. You know, there, there, there are filters that get set up along the way, and they include things like the culture you're born into, the language you speak. Uh, your Your values, attitudes, and beliefs that you accrete along the way from parents, from teachers, from friends, role models, and so forth, and then expectations and intentions in any given situation emotions get in the way, of course, uh, as do assumptions about other people so these are all filters, and we all have different sets of filters, so we 're all kind of extracting different juice from the whole of what we 're hearing, and that means. It's very important to realize when you're speaking that you're speaking into a listening that's unique. And when you're listening, that you can actually play with those filters a little bit. And listening is something that gets much better with practice. I mean, I talk in my TED Talk on Conscious Listening, I give five exercises which help to improve listening skills. i mean, happy to. Let's cover a couple of those off, shall we? Well, the first one is silence. Now, I won't give you a load of silence because people on the radio and people in podcasts hate silence. It's called dead air and it's, it's like a nemesis uh, because people start thinking uh, they've detuned or the program's finished or something's gone wrong and they reach for the dial, which is the last thing you want. Silence is an amazing sound. Actually, I think it is a sound as well as being the context for all sound. Uh, It's like you don't have mountains without valleys. You can't have sound without silence. It it gives meaning to sound. Otherwise, it's just constant din. And silence is something that we don't encounter that much in the modern urban world, particularly. I imagine most of the people listening to this are living in cities. Uh, We're getting to a world where most people do live in cities, actually. And cities have a voice. You know, there's this urban hum going on the whole time different voices, different cities. Some people love that. I know plenty of people who if they go to the countryside and turn out the light and it's dead quiet, they get spooked. They feel really uncomfortable because there isn't that background hum. Now, that's interesting for me. Silence is where we meet ourselves. It's where, you know, there's no hiding place in silence. There's no distraction. And in a world where Kids these days are prone to be entertaining themselves with two, three, even four different streams of content at the same time. You know, our attention span is getting shorter. I saw somewhere recently that it's down to eight, eight seconds from 12 seconds in the year 2000. You know, we're getting very, very short on patience, on attention. And silence is a great way to recenter, to recalibrate, to refresh uh, in, a rec- in a recording studio, engineers will go out every 45 minutes or so and, and give themselves a little bit of silence. Otherwise, their ears just go dead. And that's what happens to us in the modern world. So my recommendation to everybody listening to this, just get yourself three minutes of silence every day, somewhere, somehow. And if not silence, the closest you can get to it. And it will really help you to listen more acutely
1: mm. I, I love that I, I love what you just said about you know silence is where we meet ourselves um you know I'm I'm the first to admit that I I struggle with this uh, I find myself having to fill in those gaps with with noise even if it's in my head <laughs> uh, and you know or or um you know or music or podcasts or, or whatnot because I feel like if I'm not filling that silence in with noise it's 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 almost as if um I'm just left with my thoughts and there's...
0: Yeah, which is no bad thing, you know, Roger, no bad thing. And uh, indeed, um, silence is a baseline really for us. It's, it, it's, it's the baseline against we, which we should measure all sound. And uh, the whole purpose of all of the meditation paths, whatever religion or spiritual path uh, anybody's on, you know, most of those include silent reflection. Uh, the idea is to get quieter and quieter and to find that kind of inner silence as well as outer silence so the outer silence is just a good practice i think
1: and and to your point silence is a big part of you know making up the the noise it, it is a part of that that noise it is a noise um i'm reminded of the the, the french composer i think it was claude De, debussy who said that you know music is what happens in between the notes yeah exactly um, exactly it, it's part it's part of it's part of it it is absolutely great so that's a Great, great first, uh, great first uh, tip there. What, what would be the second sort of uh, t- tool or, or thought around um, listening? Well, I think for
0: men, there, there'd be two more that I'd like to include. The first is a little mnemonic, which is useful in conversation. So this is listening to somebody else speaking, really. And the mnemonic is rasa, R-A-S-A. In Sanskrit, that's the word for juice. And in this context, it stands for receive, appreciate, summarize, ask. Four steps, which really do help to have effective communication when somebody's speaking. So receive means looking at the person. Now, we tend to be pretty bad at that in the modern age. You know, we're doodling on a phone, doing a text to somebody. Yeah, 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 I'm listening to you. That is not listening. There's a great quote by Scott Peck who said it is impossible to truly listen to somebody else and do anything else at the same time. So listening means paying full attention. It's the only thing you're doing at that moment. And receiving with, you know, eye contact, maybe leaning slightly forward. If you're sitting, that's a good thing, shows you're paying attention and interested. Whatever body language you need, facing the person as opposed to facing away, it's, uh, it's sending out a signal that you're actually on receive mode. Then appreciate is the little noises that oil conversation, little noises like, oh, really? Oh, mm, oh I see. All those kind of little noises, they, they tend to help somebody to, to feel that they're being listened to, that they're actively engaging somebody else. Summarises the word so, and I, I love the word so. I'd like to form a society for its protection, actually, because uh, particularly in the country a little bit south of you, um, particularly on the West Coast, So has become rather cheap currency. It tends to start every sentence. What's your name? So I'm John. No, I don't quite see the logical sequence there. I ask you, what's your name? And therefore you're John. Um, So actually is, is a fantastic word in meetings, particularly. If you don't have a so person in a meeting, it can be a very, very long meeting. The so person will go. So what we've all agreed is this. Now we can move on to that. It's a summarizing word. It's a very powerful word for putting aside a bunch of content and then moving on to something else. And then finally, we have uh, ask. Uh, And ask is questions uh, at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, especially. Questions really show that you're engaged and alive and interested in the subject. So rasa, receive, appreciate, summarize, ask. It's a very good mnemonic for business conversations and also for when you get home, for conversations with your partner and your family.
1: And what, and what would be a good example of, a, of an ask or, or a question that you would, you know, uh, use, let's say, in, in a relationship with uh, with a partner?
0: Uh, I never knew you were interested in that. How, where, how did that happen? Or um, so uh, really? Well, that's that's amazing. Uh, when would you like to do that? You know, just Engaged, active, uh, positive questions, um, which probe for more information or more detail, uh, or which you know uh, elicit action.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, so, I, had a, I had a mentor who liked to always say, "You know, tell me more. I want to. I want to mm. know more about that. You know, kind of." And it mm. just it 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 got me talking more and it got me more and it, it increased that level of engagement between us and it made me feel like he was actually truly interested in what i was talking about and wanted to learn more and and the conversation just had a natural flow to it yeah definitely that's really nice great so, so what was the third exercise area? yeah
0: Yeah, the third exercise I'd like to suggest for men in particular is um, a very important one. I mean, what's the biggest complaint that women tend to have in relationships with men and about men
1: uh, particularly? That we're not listening to them. Yeah, yeah, he
0: never listens. He never listens to me. Uh, There are different listening positions. And this is metaphorical. I'm not talking about a physical position, but when you start to play with the filters and you set the filters slightly differently, you can move to a different listening position. So different ways to listen really. And we don't think of that very much. We kind of assume that listening is just listening. There's only one type of listening. There are many. And it's very powerful when you recognize there are many to start asking yourself, am I listening from the best place for this conversation so, for example, critical listening is where we t- typically sit, especially in business. It's kind of a assessing, analysing, teasing out what's useful to us, discarding what's not. It's a, and it's a very, very useful form of listening, but may not be so useful if somebody comes to us and asks for time off for bereavement. You don't want to be marking them out of 10 in how well they're doing this. That kind of listening may not be so appropriate. And when we come to the genders, I think uh, it's not too much of a generalization to say that there are typically slightly different listening positions between men and women. So women, and not all women, not all the time, this is a generalization, but <clears throat> women tend to listen from a place I call expansive. Now, expansive listening uh, doesn't have a, a, a fixed purpose Uh, it's a a way of being with somebody and just going where the conversation flows so that's why i call it expansive it tends to expand it can move on and uh, nobody's quite sure what the destination is it's the journey that matters men on the other hand tend to listen in a way i call reductive which is very much for a point to solve Hmm. a problem you know we love we love (laughs) we love to we we love
1: to solve problems don't we
0: We do. We do. So a a male conversation is typically something like, I've got this problem. Here's the solution. Oh, thanks. You know, that's kind of the way we transact.
1: And so Um, as men, as men, are we, are we, are we listening for those problems so that we can jump in and solve them?
0: Very much. So you get a scenario where she comes home and says, oh, I've had this terrible day. This happened, this happened, this happened. And he, he looks up from the football game and says, have a bath. You'll feel much better. Now in the male world, that's problem solved back to the football. But in the female world, that was not quite what she was looking for. She was looking for something like you poor thing, sit down, let me pour you a glass of wine. Tell me all about it. You know, just being with the person so we can achieve great things if we move out of our typical, regular, habitual listening positions and actually challenge ourselves maybe from time to time to move to a different listening position. Now, equally, I mean, I would say women can quite uh, could could quite helpfully. Uh, move to a reductive listening position when they've got something they want solved. Like, how on earth are we going to get the trash taken out every Wednesday? And, you know, the man will jump on that problem and be out there to solve it immediately. So posing things as problems is a very good way to get men into action. Now, you know, these are big generalizations and I'm not saying everybody's like that. Nevertheless, I think the inquiry is a very useful one. When you start to ask, where do I typically listen from? Could I listen in other places or from other places? And there are as many listening positions as you can care to imagine. I mean, the ones I'm describing are just examples. There are as many as you want.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, this isn't a generational question. I know this is something that, that we all struggle with, but, uh, you know, there, I know there's a, a, a large conversation around, there's a tendency for, and this isn't just a, a male thing, but when people listen, they're, they're constantly thinking about what the next thing is that they're going to say or or how are they going to respond and and they're not truly listening uh, at all. Um, Do you have any sort of uh, advice for how to get around that, how to how to get better at that? Because I struggle with that. I'm sure all the listeners uh, as well struggle with that. Um, I guess it's a a matter of being present. How would you try to tackle that?
0: Yeah, there are a few kind of bad habits that get in the way of listening big time one of them is what you just described which i call speech writing so that's me constructing my next witty piece of dialogue while this inconvenient noise is going on in front of me which is you talking and um, it's pretty evident when somebody does that a lot you know they're not an easy person to be around because they'll tend to come in with non-sequiturs they're, they're, the, the conversation is a bit disjointed they're clearly um disrespecting what's being said to them And there's a a kind of arrogance to that. I would suggest not doing that. And there's a great um, way of thinking about listening, which is very peaceful, I find, which is when you're listening, you just switch off and listen. You know, you do nothing else. You don't try and prepare what you're going to say next. You trust your mouth and your brain to engage at the right moment and to come up with the right thing. So there's a kind of faith that you have to have in yourself I think a lot of speech writing comes from fear, actually. It's from fear of not saying the right thing or not being witty enough or whatever. So we have to work at it really hard and prepare it. Um, so have it, having a bit of faith and just calming oneself and listening to the other person. And it, there's a kind of letting go that happens in that moment, which is very peaceful, I find, and very beautiful. And then the right thing will come out of your mouth. There are some other ones, you know, Roger, as well, that bad habits, are looking good. I mean, that's part of speech writing or speech writing is part of looking good. I guess we all like to look good and uh, looking good can create things like competitive speaking where, you know, I say, oh, no, no, we're going to Greece on holiday this year. And you say, I, I've been to Greece eight times. And I go, <laughs> uh, oh, that's, you know, my little joy has been killed. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And there are lots of men men particularly tend to indulge i think in competitive speaking or being impossible to impress, yeah, of course, yeah, why not? you know, just a very kind of insouciant and and, and impossible to uh, to engage or impress in a conversation.
1: do you think people know that they 're doing that is it Is that a conscious thing
0: well, i'm hoping that some of the people listening to this program right now will be going, "Oh my goodness that 's me, and when you become conscious of anything then you have the power to start changing it. And of course, if we're unconscious about these habits, uh, then they become, they're impossible to change because we can't even see them or hear them. If there's one thing we like more than looking good, it's being right. And being right can be extremely damaging also. That tends to be your interrupter. uh, Somebody who's very dogmatic, bombastic, maybe confuses opinions with facts. And they are two different things. And I grew up in a house where opinions and facts were quite confused. You know, that results in a lot of table thumping and some fairly vigorous arguments. And um, opinions are interesting things. I tend to think opinions ought to be offered by request only. You know, the phrase, would you like my opinion on that, is rarely used. But it's a very polite thing to say. You have to be prepared for the answer. No, thanks. Oh, I had such a good opinion already to go there.
1: Absolutely. You know through through Man Talks we have our our mastermind programs where we get you know groups of 6 to 10 men together co- once every couple of weeks and and we essentially tackle you know tackle each other's problems and we make it a a very very strict rule that uh, you don't offer advice unless somebody's willing to to receive it. So we we, we consciously always say you know are are you up for a little bit of advice and and sometimes they do say no because they just aren't uh, they aren't up for it and that's yes, okay and that's on, okay
0: absolutely absolutely i think it's very important to do these things by request i've been on plenty of um, coaching programs where the the, uh, the question would be um are you into having some coaching on that um and we can get very unpopular again as men thinking we know best and going around coaching everybody around us you know i've just learned this new thing and i'm going to coach everybody on it and that doesn't always go down so well, does it? Absolutely. So,
1: and it's natural, too. I mean, we're always, we're always you know, uh, w- whether it's conscious or, so, or, or or unconscious, we're constantly trying to, you know, uh, approve our value and, and try to help one another. And, and it, it isn't always needed, wanted or appreciated.
0: Definitely. It's a little bit like when you call somebody up on the phone, you can't see them or their situation. I always think it's a great question to ask first up to say, do you have a minute to talk? Mm-hmm. Many mm-hmm. people don't do that and they steam straight in, not realizing somebody's standing half out of a bath or uh, they're just stepping onto a train or, <laughs> you know, some cataclysmic thing is going to happen if they're talking at that moment or they've got seven people waiting for them to give an address. Right.
1: To your earlier point, I mean, you need to move into a different listening position and, and you don't want the listener to be in a, in a difficult position. You want to be in a position where they can accept your, you know, they, they, they can accept your, uh, your message and, and actually be in a position to listen to you.
0: Definitely. And of course, if we're right the whole time, and that does tend to result in a lot of the use of the words, I know,
1: hmm.
0: you know, if you know everything, what do you learn?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Yeah. So it's very important a lot of the time, not to know things and to be open to, uh, you know, to be curious and, 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 and open to learning things. So uh, those are some of the, 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 big blocks. And by the way, if there are any interrupters listening to this, and I imagine there might be a few, Um, You've probably heard of the three-second rule, which is count to three before you speak. I think that's very challenging for an interrupter. My suggestion, just take a deep breath before you speak every single time. And then you might realize as you're taking that deep breath that the other person is still talking. And it gives you just that moment to go, oh, hang on, not my turn yet.
1: Yeah, and don't be afraid of that silence. Definitely.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Because
1: I find, you know, sometimes conversations have these gaps in them and, and, it's it's almost like oh my god it's been too long since someone's talked we I should say something and especially in business meetings where you're you know you're there to offer advice or provide you know uh, a certain level of, of value to your customer if you're not talking then you're not you know it, there's a sense that if you're not talking you're not uh, uh, worth anything or you're not you know you don't have any value there and so I find I find people get interrupted or interrupt just to make sure that they're going to get their word in.
0: Yes. And any great salesperson will tell you the most important part of the sales conversation is not the speaking bit. It's the listening and listening requires quietness. And I often when I'm training people on speaking on public speaking, um, because I I think it's quite interesting that the TED talk I did on powerful speaking, which is called how to speak so that people want to listen. That's been seen by, I don't know, 12 million people, I think, give or take the one on listening listening conscious listening five ways to improve your conscious listening that's been seen by about 2 million people now that says something to me about the world you know we're we're much keener to speak than we are to listen a lot of the time and there needs to be a balance there these things are yin and yang you know uh, if everybody's speaking and nobody's listening there's no point is there because <laughs> you're not being received So we tend to obsess about sending and not be so into receiving. And yet I think the receiving side is so beautiful and so powerful and so important.
1: Very cool. So, so Julian, just before we start, start to wrap up here, you know, you've done all this amazing work on, on speech and on, on sound and listening. What is the legacy that you want to leave in the world?
0: I think just one word listening, Roger, if we really start to listen, you know, the conscious listening listening to all the sound around us and paying attention to it, as opposed to just being unconscious about it, which is how most people are conscious. Listening inevitably leads to understanding. It's very difficult to consciously listen to somebody and not understand where they're coming from without conscious listening. I would worry about the world. So, you know, we get politicians go off for talks. I wish they'd go off for listens. You know, it's so important that we listen to one another and listen to the world around us and you know there's all these rich and beautiful sounds to explore and to enjoy and to cherish and uh, we tend to ignore them and that's why the world gets noisier and noisier and it's why there's more and more disagreement and my goodness you know what's happening in America at the moment what's happening in my country at the moment there's been just a huge amount of talking even shouting and very very little, little listening so I think listening is the sound of democracy. Listening is the sound of understanding. Listening is, is what we need in the world. And if I've had an impact and got people to listen a little bit more, then I shall be very, very happy.
1: Oh, I'm sure I'm sure they are very, very happy. And, and if they if they wanted to learn more about you, what's the best way to do that? And also, what's you know, what's something that you're working on these days that you're super excited about that you want every, that you want everybody to know about?
0: Well, actually, we're um, constructing, it's going to take us a couple of months, I think, two or three months. We're constructing a thing called the Communication Academy, which is going to be a real rich resource for speaking and listening skills. And so we'll be launching that very very soon. In the meantime, if people want to connect or find out more, juliantreasure.com dot com is out there, and uh, there's resources on there which you can get access to, and uh, courses which I've done online in the past, and so forth. Plus, there's the TED talks, of course. But yeah, do come out and come and check us out at juliantreasure.com. dot com. We'll be glad to see you
1: and hear you. We, we gotta we gotta get that two million that two million uh, number up. Definitely, yes. I want the listening
0: talk to be up there with the speaking talk, ideally
1: let's let's pick up the slack there come on <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Julian thanks so much for joining us and, and thanks so much to our listeners for uh, for listening in you can learn more about man talks by visiting mantalks.com for more podcasts blog posts we've got a lot lots of amazing new articles up there recently and information of course on all of our events um, please subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss a, um, miss an episode and you can leave us a ratings on iTunes to help uh, man it forward thank you so much for listening to the man talks podcast catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man.